The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of The Bird Calls. I am David Grubb, and I am joined by Ali Cosell, as always, but also by our familiar friends, Kevin Marios and Jamal Dunn. And gentlemen, um, before we get into your purpose for being here, your main purpose, which is to discuss the potential for the Pelicans to make some trades, I think we need to talk about where the team is right now. Um, it just came off that big win against uh, the Golden State Warriors. Uh, they led that game by as many as 50 points, their seventh consecutive road win, uh, second now in franchise history for road winning streaks. And uh, over the last 17 games, which is about the time that Trey Murphy came back, December 4th, Pelicans have the, are, uh, tied for the second, third best record in the NBA, 12 and five offensively. They're as good as anybody in the league. Um, they've been second overall in offense, excuse me, sixth on offense, second overall in defense, um, second in net rating. And, and in particular, the shooting, the thing that people have always questioned about the Pelicans, the attempts have not gone up dramatically. They're still 25th in the NBA in attempts, but they're 13th in makes and second in three-point percentage uh, over that little month, uh, this, this path of month plus. So, uh, Kevin, I'm going to start with you. Just what have been your thoughts about the Pelicans as as we've seen them kind of um, really improve and and develop as a unit over this last month or so? Yeah, I mean, you can't really ask them to play any better than they've been playing. And you've seen it with, you know, Zion missing a couple of games here and there. And also with everyone together, it doesn't really change a whole lot. Um, it's, you know, I came into this season a little dejected, like, you know, it's been so many years of the same thing. Uh, over and over again, and I was kind of expecting it to be the same, and it still could be that way because, I mean, remember last year we were in the one seed for a while and then everything fell apart, but when you see all the depth the depth on this team and you see uh, a very questionable start to the season from Zion, you see him seem to have his explosiveness back, uh, and also, at least while he's never going to be like an amazing defender, at least working on that end, you know, not too long ago, he was putting his shoe back on instead of getting back on defense and crunch time down too, you know, but, the, and that was infuriating, but right now the way he's playing, you have to, uh, you know, feel good about that. Ingram's been looking great, you know, all his Trey and Herb are incredible. And uh, he's, Hawkins has proven me wrong. I was doubtful of him also uh, going into the year, but he's been great every time he's gotten on the floor. Some of the, Things that you thought we always needed, um, you know, like a serviceable point guard to just throw in there. Uh, defense, there still needs, but uh, they've been mitigated a bit by the way everyone is playing and playing together. Um, so I feel really good about the team right now. Um, I still, you know, it's hard to shake that cynicism in the back of your head after you've seen it for so long. Um, but right now I'm enjoying what, what they got and trying not to uh, – let those that doubt creep in, you know. 
Chavah, this is about as good um, an esprit de corps like we've seen up and down the roster. Everybody seems to understand their roles right now. And in particular, as Kevin alluded to, you're getting everything you, you want to see out of your leaders, the big three, CJ, uh, BI, and Zion in particular. They've stepped up, and not just in, the, in, in their level of play, but there's an ownership that's being taken of the team, in particular by your younger leaders in Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's actually a little more basic than that. Like, coming into the season, what do we always talk about? Okay, well, they got these great players, you know, the guys at the top of the roster, but they never play together, right? <laughs> you know, they've been together for a year and only played, you know, a little bit over 10 games together in terms of you know total games. Um, but this season, they mostly have been available, right? Some guys have missed a little time, but no long stretches. So we've gotten to see them play together, get in the groove together. Uh, so that's been like the number one thing for me. And then number two is winning on the road. I can't remember last time I saw a Pels team that could consistently win on the road against good teams, maybe against, you know, you know the, the bad teams in the league, but against good teams, winning on the road, consistently, I it's been a long time, right? Uh, so those are the two main takeaways I've had early in the season um, because we knew the team had talent. We knew they had depth. We knew they had potential um, to, to, to win some games. But putting it all together has been very difficult. Getting everybody on the floor at the same time has been very difficult. And then doing some of the, the simple things. I think we still have yet to see if they can get some of the closing struggles out when, when it's a close game, right now, if you just blow everybody out by 40, all right, then maybe we don't worry about that. But that's not realistic long term, right? So that's the one question mark I still have is, you know, when it's a two-point game, three-point game, and you've got two minutes left, can you can you close it out, right? And, and who's going to close it out? Um, and so early in the season, those are the things I've kind of looked at. And I guess we'll talk about where they go next. But one of the little things I'm looking for and I've always maintained is I want to see Zion be the driving force of this team. I think long-term, as long as he's on the roster, that needs to be the best version of them, has the ball in his hands late. doesn't mean he takes a shot, but he is a good passer. So we haven't seen as much of that in crunch time, and they're still feeling that out. But I do like how they're playing together. So I've been impressed. But like I said, mainly availability and winning on the road have been the main two things that I'm impressed with. Well, you're getting that that road consistency, which has been such a problem for the Pelicans in previous seasons. But the biggest question that we, we have had year in and year out has been about identity. And the Pelicans seem to have settled on the fact that defense, like they've accepted that defense has to be their identity on a nightly basis. They're setting the tone in the first half in particular and, getting, and now taking it into third quarters and shutting teams down there as well. But, I mean, you, you look at just during this road streak, what they've limited teams to, just over 103 points per game, something like that over in, the, in this road winning streak. They're winning these games by almost 20 points per game. It, it's, it's all coming from this defensive end. And that commitment from guys like Zion and B.I., but then also the other guys up and down the roster, the Trey Murphy, uh, Jordan Hawkins getting it, you know, understanding that he didn't understand how to play defense at the beginning of the season. All these things, guys are playing their roles. And and I think that, you know, we know what the Pelicans are now, that we know what the best version of them looks like. 
because a we've seen enough games of it now through this stretch where we're almost through halfway through the season, but also because they've shown us in those wins. It's similar. It's consistent. We've seen it them repeat it. So we know what the best version looks like. And it's a defensive minded team. Yeah, David. Finally, there's harmony, right? From all the way from the top, starting with Willie Green, head coach, going all the way to the last guy on the bench. And just two short, what was it? About three short years ago, right? Stan Van Gundy. You saw how he tried to implement kind of a defensive oriented type of identity on this team. Didn't happen. First of all, they didn't have the right personnel, but when you go deeper, you saw what Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson were doing, right? They didn't want to cross half court if they didn't have to to get back on defense. They didn't want to contest shots, right? That multiple efforts were not there. I remember Brandon, he wouldn't box out, right? There'd be a guy that just walk in front of him, go get the rebound, right? I mean, that wasn't that long ago. So you need to have the buy-in, right? And it's like all these glorious words that coaches like to use front office execs, but it's kind of true, right? It's more than just having trust. It's more than just everybody filling the role. It's act, actually checking every box you can. And so that's what defense is, right? It's effort. It's it's instincts, but yet it's also communication. It's understanding, right? You're looking on the court, figuring out where you need to be, what you need to do at all times. And you kind of see that, right? Herb Jones, of course, is responsible for the majority. He probably always will be, especially on, on the starting lineup that's geared more towards offense, right? The four guys around him are better on O than they are on D. And yet it works because one, you've got her, but it's because of that buying guys. So yeah, that translates. And that's what's carrying over to, you know, every other facet. And I think that's probably the best reason why you can explain these road wins, right? As David, you said, you've got to have an understanding of what you're doing, especially when you're away from home, whether that be it, if you're an offensive oriented team, getting out and running in transition, getting up your 45 threes, but for this team, as, as we're talking about, it's defense. So that means when there's a guy with the ball and you're staying in front of him, you got to do everything you can, especially that's in the strategies of containing him, just just playing out the scripts, right? So, yeah, I mean, the easiest answer is that, like I said, it's harmony. Everybody's, as you said, filling a role, doing it well. And this is a deep talent team. It's not just the old Dante Cunningham's, Alonzo G's, guys that were really just had one facet they offered, right? They've got multiple skills, and they're doing it together defensively, and then they're shining offensively. So it, they're in a good, good groove right now. On a night-to-night basis, I think and, – and Antonio Daniels has said, like, he wouldn't trade this roster with any of the other 29 teams in the league. And, and we'll get into some t- some tweaking in, this, in a second, but I'll say this. The way the roster has currently comprised, yes, I would say on a night-to-night basis, if for one night in town, it is really hard to deal with the New Orleans Pelicans as currently constructed. But let's make that transition. We know that they can, at this stage, if they stay healthy, they can be a very good regular season team. And that's step one. But if we believe that they can finish comfortably in the top six in the West, where right now they are sixth, but only about a game out of fourth, um, depending on what the results are tonight, um, it feels like they, they, they're going to belong in that group. With Memphis falling off, you know, obviously with John Morant season-ending injury, that's one less team to deal with. There seems to be, you know, the Lakers, the the, the Golden State Warriors, those teams that normally would be occupying those fifth, sixth spots, they're going to be at the bottom of the Western Conference standings this year. The Pelicans have their chance, it seems, in this season to be a legitimate top-five team in the West. If that's the case, I think we have there are three options for the Pelicans then. There's 
stand pat with what you have and ride it out with this team. There's the second option would be adjustments around the edges, bolster the bench and your role players in certain areas of need. And then there's, as some fans like to do, always start speculating about going all in and trying to target a major player um, and, and, and really shaking up the lineup by adding a, another star to this group. Um, guys, let's first, let's start with the, the pros and cons kind of standing pat. And Kevin, I'll go with, the, with you first on this. Does the standing pat uh, make sense to, to you at this stage? Or do you think the Pelicans, uh, do you see a reason for that? Or do you see them uh, uh, making a move? Unmute yourself, Kevin. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm surprised to say that I've gotten to this point. But, um, yeah, I, I would stay pat at the moment. Um, you know, I had my concerns about Zion and B.I. working out long term because of how they played and also because of the injury history. Um, you know, this, this season with everybody else that's able to fill in the gaps when one of them misses time, I feel like, and like you, with those other teams down, and we didn't even mention the Suns who are underperforming um, for what everyone thought they, well, what a lot of people thought they would be entering this season, that if the Pelicans can stay healthy or if they can at least just have one of those guys available at all times, I think they have a really good shot to, to make noise in the playoffs. You know, I'm not necessarily saying they're a title team, but like you said, you know, top six, sure, and I take that every day of the week, you know, I'm that, that would be amazing. Um, so yeah, I, I'm leaning very much towards stay pat or like a minor tweak that, that would involve a draft pick and a salary of a person that's not even getting minutes. You know, like that. Jamal, uh, your thoughts. I think we had a freezing screen over Jamal for a second. So I'll leave, um, just your thoughts then on uh, whether or not the Pelicans should stand pat right now or, or you like the way the roster is, or would you make some changes? No, and look, you've got to understand one thing about David Griffin. He honestly, when he talks about family, he actually means it. He wants that type of atmosphere in the locker room. He's been in a bunch of them, and to him, he thinks this is what works best. So when things are going well for you, really well for the, in the Pelicans' case compared to previous seasons, then you're going to be – you should be hopefully be careful, right? And ruffling, um, you know, whether it's the personnel, um, there's a lot of balance, right, required here because there's so many tight relationships. So I can't foresee him making a move. Like, for instance, at start year, it made all the sense in the world to talk about Jonas Valanciunas trades, right? Coming off of last season, disappointing. Wasn't utilized well by Willie, but now that's all changed. Um, and, and that applies to a lot of players. Like, all of a sudden, Najee Marshall's became a little bit more of an instrumental player, right? We've seen the improvement, his three-point shot. And, and really, you go down the list, there's been improvement up and down the roster outside of probably Kyra Lewis, right? And he's probably the one I've got to think that's a shoo-in to get moved because there's no reason for the Pelicans to stay over the tax and it's be because of a player that's just not going to contribute. I just don't think he's ever going to get a chance here. I'm pretty sure we're probably all on the same page here. Um, he's just not going to give what the Pelicans need. Uh, and he's just run out of chances because too many guys have moved ahead of him. So yeah, I'm with Kevin. I want to see a move made around the corners. And I think that if you're going to really look at that center position and we'll get into it, but I think you look for the future, but that future doesn't mean you bring in a starter now, but you look for whoever you do bring in to potential fill that role 
once JV's time is up, if he does get extended or whoever's ahead of him in another year or two. Yeah, I think there's a strong case to be made to to, to stand firm. I think the only the only cloud that hangs above that is the team's injury history. The fact that you know, in particular, when you look at the front court, that Cody, that Larry, that Zion, you know, those guys in particular have all missed 30 plus games with regularity over the past three or four seasons. And so you'd hate to be in a situation, I think, up front because you've got the wings covered. You, they, they have they're as loaded as they can be with guys who are six foot four through six foot seven, six, eight. Um, they don't need any more of those. But I think, again, as we've talked about, if you're going to move anything, if you're going to try anything, it's maybe you want to get another big because you do have guys like EJ Liddell and, and, and Jeremiah Earl Robinson, uh, excuse, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, excuse me, who have had flashes or, or little nice seconds, but they are not consistent players for a playoff run. They're not people that you think could give you major minutes should one of your guys get into foul trouble or get hurt. You don't want to count on either one of them. So I think that's really the only case to be made for going outside of uh, the roster and making those changes um, at this stage. So, um, but yeah, let's, let's uh, go on to the, the second option then would be, I think we're all in the thought of if you're going to make an adjustment just around the edges, Kevin, do you have any trade ideas that you thought of then if you were going to make that adjustment and bring another player uh, onto the roster? Yeah, I do. Um, I mean, as Ali said, I think, we probably all are in the camp of trying to move Kyra and replacing his position with uh, somebody who could get some minutes. So mine is uh, trading Kyra to the Pacers for Jalen Smith with, you know, uh, a first round pick attached to that could be protected. Could be, you know, you have multiple picks in, uh, next year, so you could have it as the latest pick in the draft, whatever you want to work it out as, but you know, it's not a home run move, uh, but it gives you another athlete in the front court. Um, it also gives you a guy who can sh block shots, uh, can rebound, and also is a decent three-point shooter. And for the Pacers, Halliburton's hurt for a little while. It gives them a guy who can get minutes in the point guard rotation. Not like I don't expect him to like make a huge impact, but he's a guy you can get minutes to, and they get another pick that they can use in another trade or. Uh, later on uh, to add around that if they want to make a push to really thrive while Halliburton's still uh, while he's out, you know, or if they want to just take the time to, you know, just play it out, develop other guys and think more about it's about next year than this year kind of thing. Um, I know it's not a big splashy thing, but, you know, like you said, Larry gets hurt a lot. Um, so he would be a great replacement for Larry um, or fill in and just add more athleticism to the front court and more size. Yeah, Jamal, um, you know, I think we're under the agreement that there there doesn't really need to be a major shakeup with this roster, that this team doesn't need to add a big name uh, this season, uh, particularly with the cap position. But would you uh, make a move on the edges? And if so, is there a player that you, that you, that you think this team could target to bolster uh, its bench maybe? Yeah, so I've got a few options that I look at, and really all, all mine are front court, right? Because I, I, I look at it and I think it's the most pressing need, mainly because 
you are one Jonas like twisted ankle away from like being basically having nothing up front. Like, thankfully, Jonas is the type that he plays pretty much every game, knock on wood. But, but you know, it's the NBA. Anything can happen. And if something does happen, um, they're pretty much done, right? If, if he's out even for a month, right? They would they would have real problems. So um, I don't want to replace him necessarily. I'm looking more for someone to supplement him and has a slightly different skill set. So the guys I look at, my number one would be Okongwu in uh, Atlanta. Um, Atlanta allegedly everybody's available right now, you know, for the right price. I'm not so all my trades are moving small pieces, right? For the right trade, maybe some way like Dyson. That's probably as far as I would go. But like for Okamu, I would think like um, you know, Nance, Kira, and a first round pick. I would even overpay for Okamu, right? You got all these picks, like throw some out the window at some point. Give two first round picks because he gives you you know, he gives you, um, you know, a solution now and later, right? Right now he can be a backup to, uh, to, to Jonas, but that also gives you a different skill set that you can, that can make you more flexible in the playoffs when you need a different type of big for certain, for certain matchups. Uh, and then in the future, if Jonas moves on next year, year after that, whatever, he can be your starter and you bring in some other reserve big, right? Um, so that'd be my number one target. That'd be the the only one I have on my list that I'm giving up real assets in terms of like a first round pick or even multiple first round picks. Beyond that, uh, somebody like Daniel uh, Gafford, and uh, I think he's in Washington, would be somebody on my list. Uh, and then the bargain basement would be like Zach Collins, uh, even Nick Richards in Charlotte uh, would be guys that I would be looking at who could come in and give you some rim protection, some rebounding, some athleticism, and a little bit of a different type of big than Jonas is. I don't want any big moves. The number one reason is this team has shown time and time again, if you make them adjust midseason, it's going to be like, it takes them like 25 games. Like even if there's like a real big rotation piece added or taken away, like it's a, so even that (laughs) makes me, but then the other thing, like I said earlier, we haven't seen this group play together as a unit for, uh, for a majority of a season. And hopefully this is the year that they have the injury luck where most of this group can be together for most of the year. Take that so that you can evaluate going forward because there's going to be some real decisions down the line. Yeah, Ali, um, you know, I don't think that that you you would make any major moves yourselves. I know you're a big Congo fan um, of his game yeah, and, and his skill set. <laughs> Um, is that would that be your number one target as well? Um, and if not him, then you know, are you looking at any other peripheral moves? No, he, he's the only one I actually picked, right? Because I want somebody that can come in that you know is probably going to fit, that's being underutilized, and I've liked him ever since he entered the league, right? He was my number one choice for the Pelicans. I wanted to see them move up four years ago to grab him because we all knew back then that Zion Williamson wasn't going to develop into the center. And, and you also didn't have much faith in Brandon Ingram. So you need to have a guy that you could rely upon for the versatility, right? We saw how he slowed down Giannis, you know, just in his second season, right? So I think he's got the skill set that can work here. Plus, he's got more hidden underneath, right? I think he can be a, a much better passer. He has shown that both in college and in his high school. Can be a much tougher rebounder. And so, I, like I said, I think he's that perfect fit for this James Borrego offense. So unlike... 
Jamal, I'm going to actually give up more, right? So I would I would give up Dice and Najee because Atlanta needs wings. DeAndre Hunter has not worked out for them. They want to move on from Bogdanovich, right? They lost Herder. So they want to move on from that Murray-Young experience. So I think having two long wings for them, they'd be enticed by that. So you, you give that up, and, and if you got to make some kind of picks work, fine. If you got to throw in Kyra and then have him go to a third team, I think that probably makes sense too from the Pelican standpoint, right? You want to stay probably under the tax. So he's my only target because, like I said, I want them to keep JV. I want to see Jonas pick up an extension, and he can get signed to one at any point this year, right, guys? He's in the final year of his deal, so he's got up until, what is that, I think, like June 30th, right, to sign a new extension. And I hope it will come as a two-year where he gets the most, the large sum of his money, right, the majority next season, and then he becomes a tradable contract, right? It's a smaller salary in year two. Pelicans can go ahead and go in a different direction if they want. And I think that would probably make both parties happy because I know Jonas is happy here. So it just comes down to getting that deal done. If you do, great. And if you don't, well, Okong would still represent something maybe somebody could kind of rely on now, even though I wouldn't feel comfortable doing it right now. But either way, Okong represents a future instead of having to go through the draft and grooming your own guy, right? I mean, we would all love to see Lively now, Duren, name some of these other young guys around the league. I doubt they'll be available. So Okongwu feels like the next bet, best bet. And I'm the one, like I said, outside of Jamal, who pushed all my chips in for him. Yeah, I think the, the names that I'm thinking about, if it's not a Okongwu, you know, I think you also kick the tires and see what the cost is on a on a Nick Claxton um, with, with Brooklyn. Just just what is the cost? Because I like his skill set. He is a shot blocker. He is a guy who's an all-defensive candidate last season. And and feels like a guy who needs to be revitalized and could also fit the criteria that we've talked about of if you're going to give up assets for a big, they need to be somebody who you could have a long-term future with once Jonas is done and complement what Jonas does. Because Jonas, as as Kevin and, and Jamal both said, that's your only true low post scorer. And he balances out the offense in so many ways, like in the Golden State game, where you can give him the ball and he gives you 19 points when the other team cannot defend the interior. You can't even do that with Zion Williamson. You can't even do that with Zion to just tell him, go back to the basket and give you those points over and over again. Jonas is the only person on the roster who could do that. So, yeah, I'm not interested in getting rid of him. They, As long as you're continuing to maximize his on-court value, it's find someone who compliments him. And the thing that's that they've always need to compliment in that front court is length. You know, I think that's the one challenge that when the Pelicans do struggle against teams, it's is that it's the real size. It's the the teams that are that that can throw multiple seven footers at you in certain situations. Not that the Pelicans haven't had success, but it's just there are certain situations when really big teams have caused them trouble. Um, backcourt seems set, Ali, and I would say that when we look at that group, yeah, David, let me jump in real quick if I could. Yeah. I forgot to mention one thing. Sorry, guys. I'm really tired, so much little sleep. But Okongwu, the reason I'm interested in him is say not a Claxon, say not a Jared Allen, because Jared Allen is going to get paid in addition to the 20 million this year, 20 million next year, 20 million that year after. Claxton, final year of his deal. He's going to need a new deal, right? And you've got to think he's probably going to fetch somewhere at least 16 to probably closer to 20 million a year. The reason I like Okongwu, he had just signed a four-year, 61 million dollar deal. So in essence, you would have him locked in at 15 million. So when you look at the Pels, they're going to have 10 guaranteed contracts if they pick up right Zion Jose. 
That's 10 guaranteed contracts next year at 150 million. Luxury tax line, 172. So if you're getting a Jared Allen adding 20 million, Nick Claxton, God knows what he'll cost. That's why I like O'Connell. It still gives you some wiggle room. And then, of course, the following year, guys, next summer, uh, summer after, I should say, you've got to worry about Trey Murphy, right? He's going to be picking up likely something like a near max. So you need to have, honestly, if you want to keep this young core, the wings, right, that you like, choose two of BI, Zion, CJ, add Trey. So there's your third, keeping Herb. You can't be paying a center 20 million, right? The Pelicans won't go into luxury, luxury mm-hmm. tax unless it's a proven winner. But even then, then all of a sudden you're you're going to thin out your roster, right? Because you're going to have to pay some guys to keep them. So like I said, Okongwu, that's why I only like him, right? Because it makes sense for the money because he's already signed to it. Yeah, Jared Allen does not make sense financially unless you were making him your starter and you're trading Jonas. That's the only way it makes sense. But I don't, I don't think he gives you at this stage, again, what you need offensively. You have to have that back-to-the-basket score. And though Jared Allen's coming off, I think, I think his last game at 29, something like that, it's still, he's not giving you the Jonas skill set. And I think you need that complimentary um, big. Um, would you guys, uh, Jamal, I'll start with you this time. Would you be looking at making any additions to the backcourt? I know we've always talked about adding a veteran in that group, but it just doesn't seem that there are minutes right now um, to bring a veteran in, even at the end of the, the guard rotation. Yeah, the only time that I wish that they had a veteran point guard is when they struggle in the fourth quarter to close games out because they can get into these ruts where they just turn the ball over and, you know, they kind of get out of control. If you had a, a real floor general, even for just a short short periods, right, kind of the late career Andre Miller role where, where he just comes in, stabilizes it. There's not going to be any turnovers. He'll get the ball to the right person. At, we may not make the shot, but at least we're going to run the clock down and, and it'll be a real possession. Um, so that's kind of what I would like. But to be honest, the best, like I said earlier, the best version of this team has the ball in Zion's hands at the end of the game. Now, if he fumbles it away, then they fumble the game away. And that's just going to be something they're going to have to live with. Uh, but I think the best version of this team is going to have it in his hands or at least B.I.'s hands late in the games. Uh, and they're going to have to be better at, at, at not turning the ball over and getting the right shots, which we've seen. but we just haven't seen it consistently in the tightest moments. Yeah, Kevin, I think if if we can get to see the Pelicans, they're going to have to play some more tight games eventually. Everything's not going to be a blowout like it is right now. And we need to find out how they do execute late. And that pressure will be on Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson in particular to get quality possessions. Is that a concern for you? Um, Because we have seen them kind of tighten up and not really be certain of who should be passing, who should be scoring, where the ball should be going. I mean, it's, yeah, it's always going to be a concern because we, we've seen it play out in the, in the bad side of that. Um, but there's a lot of hope there. You know, both guys show great creativity and great ball skills. Uh, it's just got to be more consistent. Um, I also want to say, I didn't know that we could trade for a Congo and a trade around the edges uh trade package i mean come on that's like a guy we've been talking about trading for to be our starting center forever i like i'm out here with jalen smith you guys are uh okongu in it um but to go back to i would to like the question you asked your mile to to kind of solve this problem a little bit i wouldn't mind also 
if there was a trade for like Tyus Jones from Washington, I think that would be a nice piece. And, you know, obviously they're going to be selling everything off over there again. So um, I don't remember what his contract's like. I think it might be close to Larry's, but maybe you could swing um, Larry and draft capital for Tyus Jones and then still get like somebody like Jalen Smith or and, um, with uh, Kyra in, in a first or, you know, somebody like that and solve both problems and have a guy that when you need a point guard to be a point guard, you could throw him in there and solve that problem. But, you know, he's he's on the Wizards now. So, I mean, I'm sure he would be happy to be have limited minutes and then every now and then have big minutes in the fourth quarter in New Orleans, you know. I mean, it's been San Antonio and the Wizards for him. Um, I mean, you know, for, I mean, Memphis, excuse me, um, no, San Antonio. Yeah, he was in San Antonio, right? Tyus Jones was his brother. His brother was I keep forgetting. They're all the St. Jones look the same too much, but anybody's ready to get out of Washington right now. Anybody's ready to get out of there. I think that 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 should be sinking and uh it's going down really hard. Um uh, Ali, uh, you know, is the backcourt a concern for you? I think it it's sometimes it is for me because I think the shooting for for Jose feels like it's going to be something that does come back to the to the norm a little bit. You know, he's been very, very hot. Um, everybody's not going to be over 40 percent for the season by the time we get to the end. And his height is always going to be an issue in the postseason. Um, it just to have Kyra sitting there, knowing that he's not part of the rotation and knowing that there are guys also on the bench right now who just aren't really contributing. It just that that guard spot. Sometimes it just feels like a weakness waiting to be exploited. Yeah, here's my issue. So I would like to see a vet point guard, or at least somebody you can trust with minutes, right? Maybe not a Chris Paul. It'd be great if he became suddenly available, right? Gets waived, traded, whatever, and you can pick him out in a buyout market for real cheap. But let's say that's not going to happen. So I would like to see, like what Kevin said, Jones out of Washington, maybe Monte Morris out of Detroit, right? What, what purpose is Monte? for him on a team that's three and what 35 i don't even know what the record is now but that's a guy that could help and the reason i would like a guy is because you've got to think cjbiz one of them's gonna probably miss a game here or there right and so that's when you want to have somebody else another ball handler another decision maker suddenly when you remove one then you're down to two if you're willing that you kind of trust right in clutch time so what do you do when suddenly one one gets in foul trouble or maybe there's a second injury Right. So that's where that's where my comfort factor would be higher if there was, like I said, somebody that can help. Because I was hoping, honestly, Jose could grow into that role. But I don't think it doesn't look like he's going to. Right. He's gotten better as a shooter. He's gotten better in certain areas. Like, for instance, thank goodness his steals return. Right. His tenacity being able to change the momentum of the game on that end, because I didn't see it during the last few months of last season. But to be able to run an offense, I just don't see it. He seems way more comfortable being a spot up shooter. And when he does have the ball in his hands, he's more of a prober that he's actually like, you know, getting an offense going, right? Setting up plays, knowing when to look for guys, finding them in their best spots and hitting them, right? He's nowhere close to, say, even Brandon Ingram on that level. So to rely on Jose to be a playmaker, I don't think it's going to be there. So that's why, yeah, I would like to make room somewhere. You've got to be able to find room, right? You're not going to have Kyra Lewis here. Dyson, he's years away from even becoming anything you can rely upon, right, at that position. So, yeah. Give me anybody you can add that would help, right? Because you're going to have more injuries. I guarantee you there's going to be more adversity. And you're, this offense is going to need to be able to lean on somebody that's not necessarily going to play James Borrego ball, 
but hey, who can, right? You, you can only rely on your main guys to do that because the hiccups are going to come. Suddenly you got missing those ball handlers, decision makers. You're going to need somebody to make up for it just because they have those instincts. So, yeah, David, I would like to see a move made just for that reason alone. I mean, the, you look at the elite teams at the top of the West, they all have elite decision makers who you have the ball in their hands in the final minutes, whether it's SGA in Oklahoma City, whether you have Mike Conley who could control that offense in Minnesota, um, or whether it's, you know, in Minnesota, you've got uh, Nikola Jokic is acting as the point guard, obviously, in those late game situations. But also you understand that Jamal Murray can take and handle the basketball. For the Pelicans, you, you're kind of like, it's still being decided. But... I'd say this at this stage of the season, they're better than we expected them to be. The record is better. Um, they have given away games that we didn't expect them to give away. They've had moments of, of, of incredible frustration. They've yet to get the five game winning streak that we always judge the, them by. But at the same point, um, I did not expect them to be playing as well as they are currently. Um, I did not expect them to be dominating people as consistently as they have on in, in some of these games. Uh, particularly the way that they have on the road. Uh, and I think right now in the midst of this five-game uh, road swing, they've got now a legitimate chance to go into Denver, a team that they have played well against on the road before. Um, you got a chance to go into Denver and I think maybe even sweep this five-game road trip. And if they do that, they could very well find themselves in the top four by the end of this um, before they come back home, which I think if that's where they are when they come back, you can't complain about the New Orleans Pelicans at the midway point of the season. Guys, I'm going to give you a chance to get your final words. Kevin, I'll start with you. Um, no, I mean, I agree with everything you just said. Um, it, I was very surprised that I am where I am in fandom right now. Um, feels very good. I was ready for another year of frustration, uh, and it started out like that. But, you know, riding the momentum, feel good about uh, where they're at, feel good about the effort from the – two main stars um, and CJ has been out of his mind lately. Um, so that's great to see you getting Larry healthy again, and, you know, Trey and Herb are just foundational pieces that I love, you know, they're my two favorite parts of the team. So um, then, you know, we can't talk enough about JV either. So I'm just excited. I wouldn't do anything right now, except for like a couple of minor tweaks. Like we said, um, you know, if it falls off a cliff by the end of the month, then, you know, maybe you start looking at, blowing up uh, one star to add pieces around the other one, um, those kind of things. But uh, I don't really want to think about that right now. I want to get out of my negative thoughts and uh, enjoy what's happening. Jamal, you know, if, if somebody told you this is where the Pelicans would be 39 games into the season, um, how wouldn't you be satisfied? Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, my, my personal, like, barometer for them is just like being in the playoffs and not to play in like that's like if you're there I'm happy now you know that's not the bigger picture right but just in terms of my own personal like level of success for them you know that's kind of where, where I'm at so yeah I, I would have been thrilled if you told me this you know 38 games and you know getting really close to mid-season in terms of number number of games right um and to be, I've been also impressed, especially the last maybe 12 games with like with Willie and some of his growth, or at least with, the, I don't know if it's Willie or, or Borrego or some assist, whatever, whoever it is, or just as a group, like some of the frustrating lineups uh, that they used to roll out, um, 
they seem to have kind of hit a groove in terms of who to play and when to play them. And I'm sure there'll be hiccups again and there'll be frustrating moments again. But, you know, that's been something like over the last, I would say, few weeks that's really stood out to me that I've liked where there's been less time where less times where I'm looking at the group on the court and I'm like, what, like, what are we doing? Right. Um, so that's been really nice. And then also the play of the, of the role players has really been uh, at a high level. Uh, and, and even I was a little nervous about Trey, you know, kind of had an injury early on and then maybe like a little bit of setback, um, you know, it, it, you know, midway into where we are in the season, but he came back and he's like shooting the lights out still. Right. I, I thought there would be like a adjustment period, uh, like the BI adjustment period when he comes back from an injury, but uh, the role players have been consistent and that's really where you see good teams win on the road when you're, because for most teams, the role players play well at home. The stars pretty much have to carry you on the road. But the best teams that we see, like you know, Celtics and, and some of these teams that have been have really outstanding records, on the road, their role their role players also play well, which care which can help uh, them be more consistent winning on the road. And so that's the number one thing I'm looking at, you know, over the next you know coming weeks is do they keep that coming up? Uh, do they keep that going on the road? Because that's really the sign of a good team. Even the like the AD team that beat Portland in the first round, they were just in the regular season, just okay on the road, right? Uh, the really good teams, like the teams that we see actually doing things in the playoffs, if you look at their road records in the regular season, that will tell you a lot about who is going to be serious in the playoffs and who isn't. Ali, you know, we'll, we'll end with you. And just, you know, as you look at the rest of this road trip, this game against Denver, Feels like a game that's that's winnable. It feels like a winnable game, and it, and it, and the Pelicans in Dallas have have played each other tight as of late. Even though Luca always uh, shows up big, the Pelicans have have shown that they they can compete against the very best in the league over this last couple of months. This real two month period, they've been as good as anybody in the NBA. Um, you have to you have to really feel confident that we can and, and enjoy the fact that we're actually just talking basketball when we're talking about the New Orleans Pelicans right now. We're not talking about what anybody's practice habits. We're not talking about trying to get somebody back on the court. We're just talking about how well or how poorly on any given night they're playing basketball. And that is a huge step forward for this franchise. Yeah, I mean, they're in prime position to finish with a three and two road record, right? On this five game difficult road trip that some of us were thinking, wow, if they can just win two of these five games, that would be good, right? And so, yeah, what I'm looking at, David, though, is what are they going to decide to do for that Denver game? Because their top four scores, right, they're all listed as questionable. Zion, B.I., Trey, C.J. Are they maybe trying to just get one of these games? So what I'm thinking is get that game in Dallas. I don't know. I honestly don't know because I'm with you. I think that Denver's a decent matchup for this team. And Denver's not playing exactly their best ball. They've lost two of their last three. They've dropped, you know, a couple losses they shouldn't lose to certain teams, right? And this is after they had kind of steadied their ship after struggling after a great season start. So I'm not sure what the right call is there because I've got to thank B.I. He's played 33 straight games and Achilles injuries or his Achilles sometimes gets sore. Right. That's one of his injuries that comes keeps coming back. So I think that's real. C.J. with a sprained ankle. Well, I think it's real. I think that guy will play through anything. 
So if, if you want to try and win that game, CJ is going to play, right? Z, well, he played in the last one, had a day off. So you got to think that same injury shouldn't hold him back. So, yeah, it all comes down to, David, as a staff, do you feel like your guys need that additional rest? They can't give you the oomph you need for a back-to-back, so just try and go get that one win. I don't know. If they're healthy enough, yeah, I'm trying to win every single game because right now the way this team's playing, you don't need these guys to play 36 minutes of do-or-die basketball, right? That depth is allowing you to where your guys are playing, what, 28 to 30, 31, and you're not having to give it your all because there's other guys, you know, picking up the slack for a minute, a possession here and there. So, yeah, I would hate to see them break that rhythm. So if they can go, I would hope to see everybody play, right? Keep this thing going because you never know when that – real injury, right, that's going to sideline somebody for multiple weeks is going to come up. I think it's it's important for a young team to to get some – to have some records on their side that are good. A lot of these guys have been around for some some really bad records. They've been around for the worst loss in Pelicans history when they lost at Dallas. Zion was on that team. B.I. was on that team. So, you know, they have guys who have those kinds of memories. You've gotten some serious beatdowns. You've had some losing streaks that you were embarrassed by. To get to be the team that ties or maybe even gets to break the all-time and, and it's a humble record at eight games. It you know, it ain't the 72 Lakers, okay? You ain't winning 33 straight. But for these guys to have something associated with them that is successful, to put their names in the record books for this franchise, for not something that's getting in them to play in, winning eight road games, and one of those being at Denver, at Golden State. These are difficult, you know, another one at Sacramento, all places that have this incredible reputation for being, you know, you won at Minnesota. These are all places that were that this season are very hard to win. I'd hate to concede a game with this team because mentally, I don't think you're in a place with these guys who are just now starting to figure out how to string some wins together. You're not in a position to concede a game. Like you may not want to go and 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 if they're not a hundred percent, you you pull the horses back. But I think you come out, you try to test Denver, see where the see where the Nuggets are, and if they're not up to the task, take this win, steal it. You got a couple nights off before you get those two games in Dallas. Take they go to Dallas, and you got a break in between. If it's four and one, I'd much rather have that that four and one would feel way better than that three and two, especially if you could steal one in Denver. A win in Denver against the defending champs means something. It always does. Uh, and, and I think for this team, it would mean more than it would for most. Any final words? Yeah, I was going to say, B.I., Zion, and C.J., mm-hmm. they've only played 19 games together. Before this year, it's been a total of 10 games, right? So that's a total of 29 games. That's not enough. You want them to build more, especially against the good teams, before the playoffs start, right? So, yeah, I'm 100% with you. Kevin, any final words? I'm good. I said my piece. All right, Jamal. I think we got everything out of you. So, guys, for Ali Cosell, for Kevin Barrios, for Jamal Dunn, I am David Grubb. This has been The Bird Calls. And in the words of our friend Preston Ellis, let's go Pels. Mother's Day is almost here, 
and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.